And a lot of car people have cars on the road that make them feel brand new, and some of their cars may make them feel like doggone old, too. You're here to talk with us about cars old and new and things that are happening here in Massachusetts. We're pleased to be joined by the car doctor of AAA Northeast, the one, the only John Paul. Good morning, John. Thanks What's for up, joining Doc? us. Good morning, guys. And uh, it's not my birthday for like another 20 days. So, <laughs> oh, oh, really? Okay, that's good to know. We appreciate that. We're going to have to get him something now. I know. I know. How about a subscription to AAA? Wait. Mm, no, I don't, I don't think he needs that. <laughs> you really think that's something to do? Just what the doctor ordered. Well, was, was that what well, the doctor it, ordered? It, it, is, it is a good gift. But, you know, I, as an employee, you know, I, I, I've, been a, I've been a member for longer than I've been an employee, and I've been an employee <laughs> for 36 years now. So. Oh, congratulations. He's got the gold card. Yes, he, he's got the platinum card, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well said. Now, now that April is winding down, I can't believe May's just around the corner. Like May first is Saturday, and with May approaching, we're getting we've seen the days getting longer and warmer too, and we're getting closer to that thing called the summer driving season. And as we get closer to the summer driving season, we're going to be seeing some changes as to what we put into our gasoline. I mean, into our cars, <laughs> as in the form of gasoline, right? Careful because what you put into your gasoline too. I, I know. Be careful what you put. Be careful of the additives too, right? Uh, yeah, all of those things. Yeah, the uh, gasoline that we have in the winter time is formulated for easier starting. And that gasoline, that winter gasoline, actually has a little bit less energy in it, which is one of the reasons you get a little bit less fuel economy in the wintertime than you do in the summer. Summer gasoline takes those additives away, but it adds additives that keep the gasoline from evaporating. And if you're old enough to remember seeing an old car parked in a parking lot, and it sort of looked like a a hazy cloud around the car. Well, that was be, that was the gasoline actually evaporating from the gas tank. Today, with the way gas tanks are designed with sealed gas tanks and the type of gasoline we use, we don't have the same level of evaporative emissions. And summer gasoline uh, also has a little bit more energy in it, which is why your gas mileage improves just a little bit over the summer, which is nice as you're heading into summer driving season. See, I thought it was because my tires keep spinning on the snow and ice. I learn something new every day. The more you know. It's funny you you mentioned about the evaporation because I remember uh, cars my father drove many years ago in the summer months to see with that evaporation, whatever. I didn't know, oh, know didn't know exactly what it was. But the first thing I thought of is I don't want to be near. I don't want to be a smoker near a car at that time, right? <laughs> well, well, that guy because you're worried if it's if it's evaporating, whatever else like that, you're going to go poof. Well, that's why they have signs at gas stations still to say no smoking while you're filling your gas tank. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, the gasoline fumes is what actually is the most combustible. So you're absolutely right. You know, if you're uh, if you were a cigar smoker back then, you know, hanging around hanging around the uh, gas tank, gas cap of your car probably wasn't a great idea. No. It's funny when you talk about that. I suddenly had these visions of watching the birds. Remember that movie, Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds? Absolutely. And there's that one point where you have this guy at the gas station. He's lighting up a cigarette while he's filling up this tank, and the birds come along, and it's like, oh, boy, bad news, real bad news. Yeah, and and gasoline, that's another thing, too, is, you know, with the summer season, you know, people are starting to, you know, get their lawnmowers out and, you know, any other power equipment. And if um, you do go fill up your gas can at a gas station, make sure you take the gas can out of the car, 
put it down on the ground. You don't want to have any static electric sparks. Uh, I've seen people try to fill up their gas tanks with our gas cans in the trunk of their car, for instance, or up in the uh, bed of a truck. And especially if that bed has a plastic bed liner in it, well, now all of a sudden that gas can isn't grounded, so you can actually get a pretty good static electric spark. So, um, same, same idea as with cell phones as well. Is why you don't use cell phones while you're filling your tank. I just think people using cell phones while they're filling their tank are obnoxious. So, yeah. Good point. Now, when you talk about these containers, they're plastic containers, because I know people may still have those old metal containers from years yeah. gone by. Yeah, both, both of them. And the idea that, you know, you think, well, a plastic container is not is insulated, what difference does it make? Still, you want to get as close to the ground as possible to be grounded. You want to make sure, you know, you're grounded, your feet are grounded. And the, the issue is, again, you know, filling up, filling up a gas can outside of the vehicle. So, you know, if you are filling up a gas can, put it down on the ground, fill it up, uh, secure it properly inside your car, either, you know, in the trunk somewhere where it's not going to move around. Um, I, as crazy as it sounds, when I fill up my gas can, uh, I actually put it over in the front seat of the car. And people say, why do you do that? Suppose you got in a car crash. And I'm like, well, I'd rather know that it didn't roll over in the back of the car and um, was spilling gasoline out as I'm driving home. So I kind of secure it in one spot. Some people will take a, you know, a, a, a big box or something and put the gas can in, put it in the trunk. But whatever method you use, get the gas can home as soon as possible, drive safely. You don't want to be driving around with an extra three or four gallons of gasoline floating around inside your car. Well said. You don't want to be doing that. Well, also, while we're looking at the summer driving season, what are things that people should be looking at with the car as they're getting ready for the start of this brand-new season? Things to things to look at, things to do with their car, to make sure you're ready for those miles and miles you plan to drive. Well, first thing, do all of the preventative maintenance. Maybe some things, you know, with, with COVID, a lot of people weren't driving as much as they were previously, so they've maybe, you know, put some maintenance off and they may have even put maintenance off a year ago. So now all of a sudden, maybe they haven't put more than three or 4,000 miles of, on their car in the last year, but those parts are still worn. So I've talked to more people in the last couple of weeks that have needed to replace spark plugs, and they're like, well, I, I hardly ever replace spark plugs. Well, they're still, in the, they're still in the engine. They're still being used. So look at the preventative maintenance you need to do, things like what we used to call tune-ups, although we don't really call them that anymore because back in the olden days you would do plugs and points and condenser and distributor cap and rotor and spark plug wires and 75 percent of that stuff doesn't exist in new cars today but spark plugs still wear out all the vital fluids are important transmission fluid engine coolant uh, we think about engine coolant antifreeze that pr protects the car in the winter time from freezing antifreeze also by nature raises the boiling point of water so where water would normally boil at 212 degrees when antifreeze is added to it it bumps up that boiling point and then with the pressurized cooling system where the radiator cap puts uh, anywhere from 10 to 16 pounds of pressure on the cooling system that continues to raise the boiling point so that's why cars don't typically overheat as much in the summertime as they did 
uh, years ago. So making sure that preventative maintenance is done, have the cooling system inspected. Radiators can get old and start to clog or they can rust away still. So you don't want to be stuck in traffic wherever you're going up to the mountains in New Hampshire, out to the Berkshires, going down to Cape Cod, and all of a sudden see that temperature light start to come on or that temperature gauge start to go up. A well-maintained car should be able to sit in traffic and sit there and idle for literally hours without overheating it's not great for it but it 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 should be able to do that so you want to make sure you do all of the preventative maintenance and one other important thing well two actually tires and windshield wipers uh tires could have sustained some damage over the winter time where you don't even really notice you hit a bunch of potholes over the winter time you did a little bit of damage to a tire you go out on the highway and all of a sudden that tire fails because it had a it had a brake or a bubble in it that didn't show up at low speed but did show up at high speed and windshield wipers uh april showers bring may flowers is that what it is so you know we can see a lot of rain between now and summertime certainly so make sure your windshield wipers are in good shape what about uh, recharging your ac uh if it needs to be done if the air conditioner doesn't seem to be working the way it should if it's not as cool as it should it shouldn't it you don't just want to recharge it you want to look for a leak first because a sealed the air conditioning system different than years and years ago where Air conditioner systems, we didn't think much about it. Freon was pretty inexpensive. You could come in and get an AC recharge for 20 or $30, and you, it might be good for the summertime, and over winter you didn't think about it, and the summer you redid it again, again and again. Uh, today, the uh, refrigerant, which could be a variety of different things, including something, uh, some new refrigerants that we're seeing in some of the brand-new cars, is very, very expensive. So before you just put more refrigerant in, you want to make sure that there's no obvious signs of a leak, and that can be oil around the fittings of the air conditioner compressor, the hoses, places like that. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, you know, the the, uh, the typical used car uh, for sale in the summertime says, uh, it might say, car runs good, AC just needs a recharge. They never just need a recharge. There's usually some. There's usually something broken, and you recharge it, and two days later it doesn't work again. There's always more that's needed, and the last thing people need when they're driving is to be find themselves having to put a sign in the car that says, "This car couldn't climb Mount Washington." Right? That's that's right. That's right. So, uh, there there uh, you you want to make sure your car is well maintained, and today's cars are so good that um, you know we see cars that that are out on used car dealer lots and it might have 110,000 miles on it, it'll say low miles because today's cars last a really long time compared to, I always, I always tell a story when I'm talking about car maintenance when I was a kid that I remember going to like the, the, uh, the local hangout parking lot where I grew up and there was a bunch of older guys hanging around this one car and the hood was open. And by older guys, I mean they were probably in their middle 20s and I was 16 or 17, and I was kind of walked over and said, what's going on? And they had a hood open of a, I still remember, it was a Pontiac. And the, I said, well, what's so special about this? And they said, it has 75,000 miles on it, and the engine's never been a part to be rebuilt. And today we see wow. engines go two, three, four 400,000 miles without any major repairs, just regular maintenance funny i missed the pontiac i really did <laughs> 833 our time we're talking with john paul the car doctor from triple a northeast 
We're with John coming up, but first we've got a check of what's happening as far as news goes, plus a check of the roads next on the K-Zone. From the WPKZ News Center. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This update sponsored by Maddie's Appliances, the official appliance retailer of the Worcester Red Sox. Good news for Massachusetts from the U.S. Census Bureau yesterday. The Bureau announcing Monday that the population here grew by more than 7% between 2010 and last year. They say the population has climbed to over 7 million people here in the Commonwealth. The county jurors that Massachusetts will still have its nine-member delegation in the House of Representatives. Governor Baker is proposing comprehensive road safety legislation. His proposals are seeking to protect pedestrians, bicyclists, and drivers of vehicles from deadly crashes. Measures he's proposing would allow red light cameras to be installed at intersections in the state with technology that issues violations to offenders. Bill also increases penalties for those who drive with a suspended license, especially if they cause injuries or deaths. It's 834. We'll take a look at his own sports update. 835, our time. This update sponsored by Fraticelli Oil. Monday, the home teams had the night off. Guess what? Everybody has the night on, including the Red Sox. Two games set beginning with the Mets at City Field. Gary Richards starting game one for Boston. Is David Peterson for the Metropolitans. Our coverage starting at 6-10. NBA tonight, Celtics Thunder at TD Garden. Bruins tonight, Bruins, actually in the NHL tonight, I should say, Bruins and Penguins wrapping up their two-game set at the Igloo in Pittsburgh. It's 835. We'll check the roads next. Here is this week's WP. And weather now. 8.36 our time. This check of the roads and the weather is sponsored by your home comfort specialist, Fatter for Oil and Energy. Or one call us at all to 978-534-5171. Two things to tell you about. One concerning the highways, the other concerning the rails. What's happening on the highways, Route 2 eastbound, westbound in the Athol area. Crews are out there both sides of the roadway working that area now known as Exit 75, that connection to Route 32. They're out there till 3 o'clock this afternoon, day-long project. So that's one thing. Number two, the commuter rail. We're coming to the end of the road as far as the last week of this schedule where you've got trains going to Wachusett Station and you got the shuttle from Wachusett to Alewife Station beginning Monday. The change begins, in effect, a new spring schedule for the line, that connection between Wachusett Station and North Station. Hopefully it means all trains all the time. Weatherwise, sunny, warm today, highs up for 60s right now, 46 degrees, our temperature. More with John Paul coming up on the K-Zone Morning Commute. It's time to get outside. Giddy up. A lot of horsepower. Giddy up, giddy up for it's 8.38, the KZO Morning Commute continues. I should stop singing. I get in trouble when I try to sing no, in the mornings good. here. 105.3 FM, AM 1280, WPKZ, Sherman, Derek here in studio. And we're joined on the phone once again by the car doctor from AAA Northeast, John Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. One of the stories we mentioned in our update you just heard just a moment ago, Governor Baker proposing a road safety legislation and the measure calls for a number of things, it calls for red light cameras to be installed at intersections in the state with technology that issues violations to offenders, uh, the bill increasing penalties for those who drive with a suspended license. These changes, your, your thoughts about this legislation that Governor Baker is proposing? Well, there's a lot of little bits and pieces before most traffic safety advocates would say, go ahead and do it. Um, you know, just to kind of bring a little bit of light to it, 28% of crash deaths occur at um, intersections that have a light on it, and it's a result of a driver running through that red light. We've seen a lot of people 
Um, you know, sometimes the expression is, you know, squeezing the squeezing the lemon, going through a pink light, you know, so it's not quite red. But uh, what we've really seen is red light fatal crashes have, have been steadily increasing since 2017. Uh, red light uh, running crashes uh, have been there at a 10-year high. And a third of the people that go through a red light thought they could make the light. So, um, and the other kind of disturbing part is three out of five people who do um, admit to going through red lights say, I didn't think I'd get a ticket anyway. So um, whenever drivers decide to run a red light that they could have stopped for, they're just making, they're making a really poor choice. And, um, you know, even if you think, if you go back to your, your earliest days in driver's education, um, the red light means stop. The yellow light also means stop. The yellow light means stop if it's safe to do so. So when you see a yellow light, you're actually sort of obligated to stop if you, it's your, the idea is don't speed up to go through a yellow light. The idea is slow down and stop for it. So before we would say put a camera, you know, on every, you know, red light, uh, we want to make sure that the camera is part of a, a real strong traffic safety program so really comprehensive strategy including um, you know can we change the intersection make it safer uh, can we change signage things like that um, and you don't just put it on you know the corner of my street you put it in you put these red light cameras on places where there is a um, high level of violations and crashes also, plenty of signage so you let the people know, hey, this intersection is being enforced with a red light camera. You also want to make sure they're calibrated. You want to make sure that they're, um, they're accurate because, you know, there's all these, you know, stories of, yeah, they put the red light camera up and they move the, the yellow light from five seconds to three seconds because they're just trying to catch people. Um, no, you want to make sure they're accurate and they're being calibrated properly. And you also want to make sure the, the cameras are operated under the supervision, supervision of um, the police departments. You, know, you don't want the program to be completely run by a third-party vendor. And also evaluate, evaluate those programs pretty regularly. Make, see if it's working. See if it's actually, if it's slowed the traffic down, if it's, if it's fixed some of the crashes, if it's um, made the road safer. And that's what, you know, a lot of people automatically assume red light cameras are just about income and uh, fines that generate money to cities and towns. They're really about trying to make the road safer. People look at the cameras and say, oh, they're taking away my rights. And it's, no, it's not a matter of taking away your rights. At least you say it's safety. Something you mentioned about yellow lights where people are supposed to slow down, but for some reason, yellow's like green for a lot of people. Yellow means go. Go faster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, that's just, and that's just it. And, and think, think about where a lot of times we see, you know, red lights and intersections. A lot of times they're near schools. They're where, you know, kids, kids are kind of hanging around, things like that. So you, it, the idea is just to try to make the roads safer. And automation sometimes can do that. 
so again, you, and I think in the provision of the bills, and, and I, didn't, I didn't look at it very closely, but I think it's also, you know, one camera per 2,500 residents in the town. And, uh, and it does give each city and town their own options, whether they want to do it or not. You know, there may be some towns that go, you know what, it's our police department's doing just fine. We don't need to do it. We, we think we live in a safe town. We don't need this. We don't need this automation. Um, and from what I understand, and I only know what I know because there's red light cameras in uh, some of the intersections in Providence, for instance, uh, that you will get it. You will get a ticket, uh, but that ticket isn't surchargeable on your insurance. So it's just a ticket. So it doesn't change your insurance rates, which which helps a little bit. Um, but you know you have to you have to look at technology and other you know, anybody who's ever driven through Washington D.C. and down to Maryland, there's also speed cameras in places too, where uh, not just red light cameras, but they can also monitor your speed and give you a ticket because of that. Tickets that are not surchargeable. If if that were to change, let's say if the tickets were something that would affect your insurance, the the surcharge meaning you're paying more for insurance. Would that be a wake-up call for people? I, I think I think uh, all of this will be a wake-up call for people, whether their insurance rates go up or they're just paying, a, you know, who, who knows what the ticket is, $75 or something. Um, you know, doing that, you know, getting those tickets because you've – gone through a red light and sometimes I'll get I'll I'll hear from people and they'll say to me I got this red light ticket what can I do about it and I'm like well was it you driving the car yeah did you is the does it show you going through the red light yes pay the ticket you know and don't do it again you know that you know that's about all you, that's about all you can tell people they're like well I, you know I I didn't know I was going to get a ticket well you didn't pay attention, and, you know, you went through a red light. And like I said, a lot of people who admit to going through red lights think they can go through them because they're not going to get a ticket. Yeah, you, people get their ticket, and you ready to say to them, like, ah, like, you should know better, but people don't want to hear that. Right. right. I, I, re, I know. I remember, I remember the first time I was probably 17 or 18 years old, I rolled through a stop sign in the town that I grew up in, and there was a there was a police officer right down the street, and he pulled me right over, and uh, every time I go through that stop sign, every time I get to that stop sign today, I still flash back to you know how many years and years ago that was that I got a ticket, and I always make sure that um, I stop at stop signs. That's good to know. Before I let you go, uh, one final tip for people who are getting in their cars and looking ahead to May, looking ahead to the summer driving season. Uh, what kind of tip do you, or words of encouragement do you have for us this morning? Well, um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing a lot more people starting to head out on the road. Uh, we did see a little bit of a, and this is an encouragement, I guess, but we did see a little bit of a bump in gas prices uh, going up just yesterday. Uh, but certainly that, you know, we, as we go into the summer driving season, uh, you know, the average in Massachusetts, for instance, is 277 a gallon. I am still paying 259 a gallon where I filled up. So there is still some, a little bit of money to be saved. So if you are heading out on a summer driving vacation, uh, shop around for the best price on gas. And remember, even if gas prices go up a little bit, uh, if you're going on that thousand mile trip, and gas went up, say, 50 cents a gallon, it probably only amounts to about $20. So don't let that ruin the trip. And one other thing I mentioned about gasoline, if you're going to fill up, 
fill up locally because the prices are cheaper before you hit the road, correct? Uh, that is the case. I mean, you, for instance, if you were heading into, uh, you know, heading out of town and maybe you were going into New York or in New Jersey, for instance, uh, the that average of 277 you pay in Massachusetts is 292 in New York and 291 in New Jersey. So, so fill up in Massachusetts where it's a little bit cheaper. I noticed yesterday, also over the weekend, I filled up here in Massachusetts for 255 went up 95 in Maine. The average price along the highway along 95 in Maine was like 285 Yeah, it, it, it makes a difference. It certainly does, and whenever you have to stop and get gas right on one of those highway gas islands, you're always going to pay a little bit more. Now, they can't, they can't overinflate the price, but they can be at the, certainly at the high end of the average. And they usually are. John Paul, car doctor from AAA Northeast, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again. All right, take care, guys. Be safe. Okay, Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Take Bye. care. 847.